Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from a book called The Private Key to Heaven. It's by Thomas Brooks, the English nonconformist preacher and writer who died in 1680. 1680. We're talking about prayer, and he's giving you 20 arguments for private prayer. We did the first one before, and they're relatively short sometimes, so we'll do two of them today. Two, two reasons, two arguments why you should pray in private. Secondly, consider the example of Christ. When Christ was on earth, he did much exercise himself in secret prayer. He was often with God alone, as you may see in these famous scriptures, Matthew fourteen twenty three. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Christ choosing solitudes for private prayer doth not only hint to us the danger of distraction and deviation of thoughts in prayer, but how necessary it is for us to choose the most convenient places we can for private prayers. Our own fickleness and Satan's restlessness call upon us to get into such corners where we may most freely pour out our souls into the bosom of God. Mark one thirty-five. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. As the morning time is the fittest time for prayer, so solitary places are the fittest places for prayer. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. That's in Mark 6.46. He that would pray to purpose had need be quiet when he is alone. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Luke 5.16. The Greek here indicates he was departing and praying, to give us to understand that he did thus often. When Christ was neither exercised in teaching nor in working of miracles, he was then very intent on private prayer. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God, Luke six twelve. Did Christ spend whole nights in private prayer to save our souls? And shall we think it much to spend an hour or two in the day for the furtherance of the e internal and eternal welfare of our souls? And in the daytime he was teaching in the temple, and at night he went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives, Luke twenty-one thirty-seven. Christ frequently joins praying and preaching together. And those whom Christ hath joined together, let no man presume to put asunder. And he came out and went, as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. That's Luke 22, verses 39, 41, 44, 45. Never was garden watered before or since with blood as this was. Ah, 
What sad pieces of vanity are the best of men in an hour of trial and temptation? These very men that a little before did stoutly profess and promise that they would never leave him nor forsake him and that they would go to prison for Christ and die for Christ. Yet when the day of trial came, they could not so much as watch with him one hour. They had neither eyes to see nor hands to wipe off Christ's bloody sweat. And so John six fifteen and 17. Thus you see by all these famous instances that Christ was frequent in private prayer. Oh, that we would daily propound to ourselves this noble pattern for our imitation and make it our business, our work, our heaven, to write after this blessed copy that Christ hath set us to be much with God alone. Certainly Christianity is nothing else but an imitation of the divine nature, a reducing of a man's self to the image of God in which he was created in righteousness and true holiness. A Christian's whole life should be nothing but a visible representation of Christ. The heathens had this notion amongst them that the way to honor their gods was to be like them. Sure I am that the highest way of honoring Christ is to be like Christ. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Oh, that this blessed scripture might always lie warm upon our hearts. Christ is the sun, and all the watches of our lives should be set by the dial of his motion. Christ is a pattern of patterns. His example should be to us instead of a thousand examples. It is not only our liberty, but our duty and glory to follow Christ in all his moral virtues absolutely. Other patterns are imperfect and defective, but Christ is a perfect pattern, and of all his children they are the happiest that come nearest to this perfect pattern. Heliagabalus loved his children the better for resembling him in sin, but Christ loves his children the more for resembling him in sanctity. I have read of some springs that change the color of the cattle, that drink of them into the color of their own waters, as Du Bartas sings, Du Bartas being a uh, Huguenot uh, courtier and poet. He sings, Serona, Xanth, and Cephesus do make the thirsty flocks that of their waters take, black, red, and white, and near the crimson deep the Arabian fountain maketh crimson sheep. Well, certainly Jesus Christ is such a fountain in which whosoever bathes and of which whosoever drinks shall be changed into the same likeness, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Question, but why was our Lord Jesus so much in private prayer? Why was he so often with God alone? Answer one, first, it was to put a very high honor and value upon private prayer. It was to enhance and raise the price of this duty. Men naturally are very apt and prone to have low and undervaluing thoughts of secret prayer. But Christ, by exercising himself so frequently in it, hath put an everlasting honor and an inestimable value upon it. Answer two. Secondly, he was much in private prayer. He was often with God alone, that he might not be seen of men. 
and that he might avoid all shows and appearances of ostentation and popular applause. He that hath commanded us to abstain from all appearance of evil would not himself, when he was in this world, venture upon the least appearance of evil. Christ was very shy of everything that did but look like sin. He was very shy of the very show and shadow of pride or vainglory. Answer 3. Thirdly, to avoid interruptions in the duty. And then secrecy is no small advantage to the serious and lively carrying on of a private duty. Interruptions and disturbances from without are oftentimes quench coals. What's a quench coal? Extinguishers to private prayer. The best Christians do but bungle when they meet with interruptions in their private devotions. Fourthly, to to set us such a blessed pattern and gracious example that we should never please nor content ourselves with public prayers only, nor with family prayers only, but that we should also apply ourselves to secret prayer, to closet prayer. Christ was not always in public, not, not always in his family, but he was often in private with God alone, that by his own example he might encourage us to be often with God in secret. Happy are they that tread in his steps and that write after his copy, that is, to seek to live according to his example. The fifth answer, that he might approve himself to our understandings and consciences to be a most just and faithful high priest. That's in John 17. Christ was wonderfully faithful and careful in both parts of his priestly office. Satisfaction and intercession were those parts. He was people's, his people's only spokesman. Ah, how earnest, how frequent was he in pouring out prayers and tears and sighs and groans for his people in secret when he was in this world. And now he is in heaven. He is still a making intercession for them. And the sixth answer, to convince us that his Father hears and observes our private prayers and bottles up all our secret tears, that he is not a stranger to our closet desires, wrestlings, breathings, hungerings, and thirstings. And then the third argument for private prayer, number three, the sincerity of secret prayer. Thirdly, consider that the ordinary exercising of yourselves in secret prayer is that which will distinguish you from hypocrites who do all they do to be seen of men. He said, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when you do your alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, Matthew 6, 1 and 2. Self is the only oil that makes the chariot wheels of the hypocrite move in all religious concernments. And then he said, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to stand praying in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, 
that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Thus you see that these hypocrites look more at men than at God in all their duties. When they give alms, the trumpet must sound. When they pray, it must be in the synagogues or in the corners of the streets. When they fast, they disfigure their faces that they might appear unto men to fast. Hypocrites live upon the praises and applauses of men. Naturalists report of the Caledonian stone, that's a stone from a group of islands called Caledonia Insulae, that it will retain its virtue no longer than it is enclosed in gold. And so hypocrites will keep up their duties no longer than they are fed and encouraged and enclosed with the golden praises and applauses of men. Hypocrites are like blazing stars, which, so long as they are fed with vapors, shine as if they were fixed stars. But let the vapors dry up, presently they vanish and disappear. Closet duty speaks out most sincerity. He prays with a witness that prays without a witness. The more sincere the soul is, the more in closet duty the soul will be. Where do you read in all the scripture that Pharaoh or Saul or Judas or Demas or Simon Magus or the scribes and Pharisees did ever use to pour out their souls before the Lord in secret? Secret prayer is not the hypocrite's ordinary walk, his ordinary work or trade. There is great cause to fear that his heart was never right with God, whose whole devotion is spent among men, or among many. Or else our Savior, in drawing the hypocrite's picture, would never have made this to be the very cast of his countenance, as he does in Matthew. It is very observable that Christ commands his disciples that they should not be as the hypocrites. It is one thing to be hypocrites, it's another thing to be as the hypocrites. Christ would not have his people to look like hypocrites or to be like two hypocrites. It is only sincerity that will enable a man to make a trade of private prayer. In praying with many, there are many things that may bribe and provoke a carnal heart, as pride, vainglory, love of applause, or to get a name. A hypocrite, in, in all his duties trades more for a good name than for a good life, for a good report than for a good conscience. Like fiddlers that are more careful in tuning their instruments than in composing their lives. But in private prayer, there is no such trade to be driven. So there are two more solid arguments for private prayer. Thomas Brooks. Thank you so much for joining with me today. And as always, I want to ask you for to look around the site. We have some things here that will interest you. 3,500 audios featuring some of the great preachers of the church. Persecution stories from North Korea in English and Korean. Bible studies on a number of subjects and a blog. And if you want more than that, please consider buying one of my books at Amazon.com or contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com and I'll put you in touch with our Zoom meetings where we 
fellowship in person, just a few of us, but they are a, a, a noble crew. I would love to have you join us sometime on a Saturday night if you're male or men and women on Tuesday at noon. Those are both Central Standard Time. It's 7 o'clock Saturday night, all Central Standard Time in the U.S. Well, again, thank you for being here. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. This audio is being released on the 19th of January, 2023. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.